Hello and welcome to Evolve Pipe Drive Podcast, where we talk all things pipe drive, sales, apps and pipe drive marketplace. My name is Bruce Bignall, I own Run Evolve, we're a technology consultancy based in the UK, working globally, helping small and scaling businesses get more out of pipe drive through implementation, consultancy and training. In this episode, you'll hear the stories behind 12 SaaS startups direct from the founders. So if you're currently a founder or have ambitions of launching your own startup, these founder stories might just inspire you to start your journey. How did you end up co-founding Sales Message? Um, and then kind of on top of that, because obviously you've done this multiple times that you set up multiple businesses. What's your experience of running a business kind of fully remote now? Or I don't know, you know, what, what's, what's happened um, and how's that yeah. changed in the last two years or so? Yeah. Um, I mean, the sales message came from like frustration. And so in, uh, in 2015, I, I wrote, um, really just out of frustration, a three part blog series. And the title of it was called the death of call loop. Call loop was running, you know, it was doing well, but it wasn't like growing. It was just sort of a zombie sort of startup, if you will. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, you know, I just, I felt the need that I had to make a change. And so I wrote this three-part series and I sent, uh, sent the email out, which the subject line was the death of Kalu. I sent it out to our list. So this three-part, just to, just, just to paint a picture in my head, this three-part was, did we have to wait for part two, part three, or was it all at yeah, once? It dripped, out, it dripped out over about a week. Okay. And so, which... Um, you know, people were going crazy. <laughs> so, but it was like, it was something I felt I had to do, like, not even, like for me, for my own sanity. And so, so I sent it out to about 35, 34,000 people. And, um, and it just like, you know, the first post was really about, um, you know, how I built a business that I secretly despised. And so, you know, I got into it thinking like, oh, this is going to be great. Uh, but the reality was, is, um, we didn't have great tech. We didn't have a great development team. And so like things were breaking. Um, and I wouldn't say that no one cared, but it was like, I cared a lot more than everybody else. Yes. And yes. so it was like, uh, you know, it was on my back to like fix all the problems. And so, um, and it just became like, oh my gosh, like everything is on me. And so, yeah. um, so I wrote this and, you know, just really, it really told the story of like, of, of call loop and, um, people were wanting new features. They were wanting things fixed. And it was like, my hands were like shackled because it was like, ah, we couldn't do it. So the end of it, the, the third post, which again, took like, you know, seven days, like going through the whole thing. Uh, and people were leaving comments like, Oh my God, I can't believe you did this. Like F off, you know, all these sort of like yeah, comments. Yeah. And, uh, it was pretty gnarly. It was, it was pretty. How big was the, how big was the business at the time? I think we we're doing about 50 grand a month. Right. Um, but it was sort of up employees? I think we we're at maybe seven or eight at the time. Okay. Yeah, but it was like very flat for such a really long time. And it was just constantly breaking. So like, sure it was making money, but it was just like constantly like breaking and like people texting me and calling and like, it was overwhelming. Right. Yeah. And we, and I, yeah. and I couldn't fix it. So I just felt helpless to like solve it. And so, um, 
So the third sort of post was, um, I wanted to do like, I wanted to reinvent it. And so it was basically, Hey, follow my journey as I reinvent call loop from the ground up. And, uh, you'll get an insider view into us sort of rebuilding it because I wanted to build a better company. I wanted to build um, a better product, you know, all these things that I wanted to do. And it was just my, my line in the sand of like, enough is enough. I can't keep doing this. And so after that, super pumped. And um, after about a month and a half working on sort of call loop 2.0, I asked um, uh, my developer, Andrew, I said, hey man, how long is it going to take? How long do you think? And he's like, oh, about a year and a half. I'm like, no. no. <laughs> so I, I sort of figured that, but I was like, oh my gosh, what am I getting into? So anyhow, um, so we pivoted. We, uh, I was like, all right, well, let's, let's do this other product idea I had. It was called kick a conference, which was a conference call platform, um, after about a year and, uh, no traction and about $1,500 in revenue. I'm like, we can't do this. So we pulled that. It was a great product, but like nobody wanted it. And I knew like, don't create something people don't want. I knew that, but I made that mistake because I was like, I wanted to build the product, and um, but nobody wanted it. And so about six months into that, um, I was like, you know, maybe with sales message, I can, and not even sales message wasn't an idea, but I'm like, people want like conversational SMS. And so I was like, oh, and I just, I really mocked up something. Where I actually that, Where did that intuition come from? Is it because you were used to conversing? Was it some, a business or like a, well, Call Loop does SMS marketing. It does yeah. outbound calling. And so, you know, there were customers that were just saying like, hey, I want this, I want this, I want this. And I just, over time, you got to realize like, wow, like people want that. You, you, and we couldn't you, really yeah. do it. Yeah. And we couldn't do that with Call Loop just because it wasn't built for that. And so it was like, okay, well, and it, it really just started with a new question. It was like, what would I do to put myself out of business? Hmm. I was like, ah, oh, let me break out a piece of paper and I would do this, 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 this. Like it's a very clear question. What would I do to put myself out of business? And so I just wrote a little plan. I'm like, I would do like a conversational SMS. It's a different market. I go over here. I did, you know, make it more SaaS subscription. So I just built like basically things that would be better. Hmm. Um, and so so that's where it came from. And I said, hey, we made the mistake of like spending a year on a product nobody wanted. It didn't make any money. Let's not make that mistake again. And so I said, before we write a line of code, don't touch anything. Let me do a webinar. And so I put together a webinar and uh, two days later, hosted it and had about $4,500 in sales, give or take, of me pre-selling sales message. Hey, here's the slides. Here's what we're going to do. Here's what's going to do. Here's this. Blah, blah, blah. And I made an offer. We made about that between four, four and 5,000 bucks. Yeah. And I was like, cool, let's do it. Let's go. And so we made more money just doing a webinar, selling a product we didn't have, <laughs> a product that we had that nobody wanted. And so um, that was just a reiteration of a concept of like, don't build something people don't want. So, um, so that was it. And so call loop or sales message started from that. We started building it and, um, you know, it's just been growing ever since. And, um, there's a lot to the story, but 
I ended up uh, not working out with my original co-founder. And so in COVID, I went from like a development team down to zero. And I was like, what are we going to do? And so uh, since then, I found a, an amazing co-founder. And now we're, you know, team of 15 developers, team of 27 people. So, you know, it's been it's been a, a journey to uh, to get here. But there's so many good stories of yeah. the trenches of building a software company. So you've been running, uh, I guess, six years now. So, mm-hmm. so how, what's, the, what's the story there and how, how right. did that come about? Yeah, so I started um, Pronto Marketing with my dad in 2008. And he was working for Microsoft and was working with vendors who were trying, he was trying to help them sell their solutions. And he realized that they, um, they didn't need advice or consulting advice. They needed execution help. And that was kind of the idea for Pronto Marketing, where we did the work for these IT professionals and managed service providers. So mainly it was a website, updating the website, building it, writing copy for them, all those sorts of things. And then some other types of add-on marketing services, SEO, AdWords, um, you know, eBooks, that sort of thing. So that was um, Pronto and since 2008, and we had a lot of experience working mainly with managed service providers, but all types of professional services, businesses. Um, And at Pronto, we were super focused, always focused on customer satisfaction, really Mm -hmm. believed in it deep in our core and strategically as well. So, and I was never really happy with the customer satisfaction solutions at the time. Um, We used Zendesk and their out of the box solution didn't have enough data that we wanted. We used some other tools in the market, weren't happy. So for years, we always kind of even maybe even joked, like we just want to, we should just build our own tool that we, you know. That's how it always starts, right? Yep. (laughs) Yep. Um, so eventually we said, yeah, let's do it. And I've always wanted to try SaaS and see that goes. So it was really great to be able to build simple set within Pronto, you know, basically incubating Mm -hmm. it using Pronto's resources. We still use Pronto's, um, admin and, um, HR and like finance teams to take care of some stuff. So we can really just focus like directly on the product and our customers. So I was kind of halfway in between uh, SimpleSat and Pronto for a few years and around 2018 really made the switch full-time for SimpleSat. Okay. Well, Corey, thank, thanks so much for that. I just want to kind of dig a little bit into sure. kind of, uh, the kind of the before journey. And you said that this was kind of incubated within um, the, the previous business. Mm-hmm. Um, what what was it that made you, or obviously you started the, the previous business with, with your dad as well, Derek, is, is that right? Yes. Yeah. So then what was it that gave you the confidence to say, actually, this, this could be, SimpleSat could stand on its own. I'm going to run with that. What, what was the? Uh, I guess the confidence. So, I mean, it helps being incubated in this company was, you know, that was very comforting uh, a lot more yeah. than if I just left completely broke it off and tried to go find investment or something. Yeah. Um, so that was, it was, it was a nice safety net. Um, I know sometimes it's good to have your, if, if your back's against the wall to force you to work, but it started yeah. out kind of nice where we can incubate it, make sure that we had something that, you know, we wanted to run with. Um, so maybe kind of a lower risk in that sense was yeah. nice. What, what, you know, continue running the agency. That's a, it's a common thing. People who have agencies that then do the SaaS thing. So you have this revenue machine, um, you have customers and then kind of start to shift our R&D team's focus a little bit to something else and see if that works. 
scratch the surface of your out funnel journey there, right? So mm-hmm. how how did that come? So you're working at this agency in Holland. How did you meet your co-founder? How, mm-hmm. how did out funnel as a, and were you always head of support and product? How, how, what was the journey mm-hmm. there? Yeah, so I guess that started, um, yeah, so it all started in um, in the Netherlands, kind of working for that other company. And I mean, I had kind of gone up in ranks from like business developer to account executive to a head of commercial ops. And then at one point, I uh, uh, I came back to Estonia, uh, but I still kept, kept working for the Dutch company. Uh, but then I ended up in like a co-working space over here, right? I mean, mm. I was the only person in Estonia for, for that company. And then uh, I found myself sitting across Andros. Um, and we had kind of briefly had a chat in the past, you know, we've, uh, we've seen each other from somewhere, but then the problem was that our leg, both of our legs were very long. So we kept hitting each other, <laughs> which was super annoying. You, you thought, then... hello, hello, sailor. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. And then, uh, I mean, one thing led to another, I, uh, I kind of, uh, we went out for a lunch and he said that, Hey, I had just left pipe drive. And then I had this idea, you know, when I was in pipe drive, I kind of, uh, or he, um, uh, he experienced firsthand that there's no marketing tool that integrates well with with PipeDrive and it's a, yeah. it's a hassle. And then he uh, he interviewed like uh, like a hundred people to really understand where the where the problem is. So that's before building any lines mm. of code. And then uh, uh, and then they kind of uh, he got started with uh, with another co-founder, like a technical lead, uh, mm-hmm. to build kind of the first version. And then. Um, and the first funding was raised and then I joined on board as well because I had kind of been always there and kind of thinking along how to uh, how to approach the different things what are the kind of the first things to build and then I joined as a co-founder um, and then at first I mean we didn't have many customers right I mean uh, probably when we raised funding we had like 10 customers or something like mm-hmm. that and then at first we we really painstakingly wanted to speak with all our customers so that was kind of the first thing I did at OutFunnel as well so it was kind of like on the support side taking the demo calls talking with people yeah. Uh, really setting up the f- workflows over there and then um, uh, both Andrews and myself kind of looked at the product together so Andrews had that marketing experience I had that sales experience and then those kind of blended into one uh, yeah. but at one point it made more sense kind of Andrews to really go and uh, take the path of the CEO and really focus on that and kind of lead the overall company and then uh, for me because again I've always been interested in those automating things that tech uh, technology overall uh, and uh, uh, that's when I kind of took up the role of, uh, of product um, mm. and um, and started to uh, to yeah, take responsibility of that and here we are today we mentioned a little bit earlier about your your two co-founders right so um, mr. machine uh, and, and, <laughs> and, and the tree and the growth hacker um, how did you guys meet what's the been the story so far um yeah and and who come up not who come up with the name and, and the idea but what what was that story about you three coming together yeah actually the the idea for luna uh, sparked uh within within amber but i i like when i was working at amber but actually um became conscious uh, a while after uh, the, the story is how we met is that uh, after I uh, decided that I wanted to take, take a step back with Amber because it, it grew into a really big company there. We had investors, we had a supervisory board, we had like a lot of um, responsibilities for the CEO as well. Uh, I was the CEO, I started the company at age 19. So 
basically every time we hired someone that was the biggest company that I had ever worked for. So that was yeah. a very interesting uh, dynamic right there. Uh, so I decided to take a step back and uh, well, first find a CEO that was more experienced, have him take over and then uh, take a step back. And then I knew that I was going to do, uh, like I wanted to do another startup, but not right away because I wanted to take a breath from uh, from the, 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 the roller coaster that the startup life, uh, the life of a startup entrepreneur is. But more importantly, I also knew that I wanted to learn two things. One of them is um, uh, how the investment game works. So we had raised uh, yeah. some investment with Amber, but I also knew that uh, I, there was much to learn there. And the second one was how to scale companies. And that's actually how I got in contact with uh, Jean-Paul, the, our chief growth, uh, because he was a, a growth hacker and he was uh, helping a lot of companies. And I just got in touch with him and talked to him about the things that he was doing with both uh, B2C camp ads campaigns, but also uh, LinkedIn automation, email automation, uh, scraping data, and like combining all that using Zapier or other API integration tools. So basically trying to learn as much from him as possible. And we hit it off so well, became good friends and started one of the companies that you mentioned in the beginning was Tactic. And Tactic was the... That was a an online marketing agency. Uh, so I want, like I said, I wanted to learn how to scale companies. And for me, the best way to do that was to uh, well start selling the service as if we already knew. And then uh, when yeah. you sign the contracts, you're like, okay, now I really need to learn, and I need to learn quickly. So you yeah. you know that you learn everything there is to learn. Um, so that was actually what I what I started with um, with Jean Paul, and that's also how we knew how we got to know them really well because with Tactic we. We're basically able to try out any competitor product there is in the market, always looking for something like Luna, because we knew that that was the end goal, but it wasn't there. And then we started looking for uh, for a third co-founder because uh, I'm, I'm an engineer from background. I did uh, a solid six months of electrical engineering and then I decided to drop out and start my own company. So me building the platform was not really going to be a good idea. Uh, and that's actually how we started looking and we knew robin as a friend from a friend uh, and it was a it was an immediate hit he was super excited about <clears throat> about what our ideas were and um yeah uh, i think we did not even finish the question like hey you want to go on this adventure with us and he uh, he already started writing his first lines of code so i was going to say uh, he's yeah. already mapping it out in his head like, okay, well, <laughs> we could do this we could do that um, exactly yeah so he was great. he was all in and that was uh that was awesome to see. So the first couple of months, it was really like getting to know each other and like trying to figure out what we would want from Luna. But uh, yeah, yeah, actually the second question was easily answered because we all had the same vision and now we're, yeah, it's come to a reality, which is, uh, uh, it's still really cool to see. So we, we've gone through a little bit of the Clenty history, a little bit of the, the instruction or the integration between Clenty and Pipedrive. Um, what about you, right? So can you tell me a little bit about your journey? How did you end up to co-found Clenty? And how did you end up meeting your co-founder, Vengat? Okay, uh, it's a long story. Uh, <laughs> I'll try to keep it very short. Uh, so yeah, so I mean, uh, I graduated uh, studying engineering and I sort of um, joined as an engineer, as a software developer uh, at uh, Infosys. And I worked there for like four or five years. Um, so by the time I was leaving Infosys, I was more towards the customer side of uh, things. So moved from uh, like coding towards uh, uh, customer development and customer uh, engagement side. 
So I think about around around the time when this uh, recession was happening, two thousand eight. So mm. that's when I quit my job. I was working out of London uh, at that time. Um, so I came back to India with this quest to go and try something on my own. Um, so long story short. 2008 to 2015 so i was doing multiple businesses recruitment outsourcing uh, and then uh, say finishing school for graduates and then uh, one edtech platform we were trying to build uh, i think at the late stage of edtech is when uh, my co-founder venkat uh, was also getting like he was getting full time to start something on own we were deliberating multiple ideas uh, around that time so of course venkat i Venkat and I went to college between 2000 and 2004. Uh, uh, so we sort of knew each other, um, and we were always in touch, having conversations uh, in between, and so on. So uh, I think around 2004, end of 2014 is when we decided let's try to build something in the B2B software segment because that's when the SaaS was getting popular uh, in India and of course globally. So till then we were, I was trying more. P2C platform kind of uh, business, uh, so the transition shifted when we were uh, opening our ears and eyes towards what's happening across different industries. So we understood that this, uh, this SaaS is getting popular, and we can sort of build something specific for one problem, and we can sort of uh, solve that. So our obviously, you know, today's Clenty is different to what we built as first Clenty. Clenty was actually as a transition from edtech we thought we will build a knowledge repository um that was the name that it stands like plenty of knowledge we removed p and say uh, we made it as plenty right so yeah. okay. so 2015 early 2015 or till late 2015 we sort of built the uh, knowledge repository plenty which uh, we couldn't really market to a audience who will come and uh, start using it then uh, with feedback from different uh, you know uh, uh, companies that were uh, we were aware of we actually used the same base and changed plenty to what it is today like uh, in like 3 4 months we made it as a cold email automation platform and that's when we launched uh, officially in january uh, 2016 and like you know in couple of months we got that uh, first customer paid customer first customer uh, <laughs> was it you said the 18th yeah. of march 2016 that's right that's right yeah so that's uh, it was like plenty was not planned if you if i have to answer you very simply plenty was not planned uh, yeah. that we're going to start plenty and this is the product it is it's just a uh, evolution of multiple things that we did and then we pivoted towards what plenty is today what was the journey like for, for the business um and how did you end up starting trustmary in the first place right so so we touched upon are you still with the same co-founders what what's the story there and did anyone move on what's the um and one thing that always comes to my mind where does the name trustmary come from <laughs> yeah so yeah actually like we have like sales like strong sales and marketing background in our business and and how we actually started uh initially uh, it was the idea of our ceo uh johannes and um uh like the like he was building website websites uh 
in his previous life. And typically the most difficult part of uh, creating a good website was to get like authentic uh, customer stories, uh, reviews, uh, testimonials to the website. And, uh, and they were like really important. So, so that's like how the idea of, okay, we, we need this kind of service that, that you can get them easily. And then that's how we started producing those videos first. And then, uh, basically developing the software platform and yeah we are still uh like our core team is uh, almost the same still uh nice. we, i think we had uh, five co-founders back then now we are still four of them are working working with uh trust mary then uh, the name uh we we had a finnish name uh in 2016 but then when we started going global and at the same time when we uh, launched our software platform then we had to figure out the new name and um, and the trust mary was actually idea of one of our employees so so what we are doing with our business is always we are building trust so that's where trust is coming from and then when we are making a decision to buy something, uh, those people who we actually trust the most are our colleagues, our friends, uh, those other people we already know, uh, or those other people we can relate ourselves. And then the Mary just happens to be one of the most common names in the world. So that's okay. trust Mary, trust uh, your colleagues, your friends. Uh, yeah people you can relate to yourself when you are making a decision so that's uh, kind of the story are you scratching your own itch are you building something that you wish you had um, yeah absolutely um i mean for, for what i think what my sales career told me was that it is always a, a team effort um to to make that sale um i think it it's the, also for me as a sales leader, um, it is the the most important thing to to bring together a, a good team. Then you know, in in different settings, you have your probably inside fields, business development rep people that do great work uh, on an account. You have uh, your technical experts. You have probably subject matter experts um, that know the industry. You have your sales manager. It's it's orchestrating um all of these 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 people in your own organization to deliver the your value proposition in the yeah. end of the day to the other organization right yeah. and this is i think a bit of why why it is for me an important thing to understand um who talks to whom who has relationships with whom and this is kind of a, a bit of the the overall idea behind wisdom to make this easier to consume easier to communicate yeah Tell me a little bit about your journey so far. And, you know, you mentioned at the very beginning, there was a story around how you started sales screen. So if, if you don't mind, you know, touch upon that and um, yeah, what, what's exciting, what's, what are you most looking forward to in, in the next, you know, 10 years or, or so with, with sales screen? Sure. Um, so yeah, I was a classical uh, computer geek and I uh, decided to take my master's degree in computer science um, and, you know, I was surrounded by brilliant people. Uh, including uh, a couple of them being uh, Oystein, my uh, co-founder and CTO, and, and Marius, my co-founder and CTO. 
Uh, and we uh, eventually decided to, hey, you know, um, we can handle both. So we're going to start the business uh, as we take this uh, master's degree in computer science. Uh, and we're just going to do, you know, consultancy work to, to gain uh, relevance and, and experience and money. Uh, and what we were going to do is, is to experiment and try to create different uh, types of SaaS. And hopefully one of them is going to stick. Uh, bear in mind, this is back in 2011, 2012. So it's very early in the SaaS days and uh, not much that really was in place. So uh, it, it took a bit of work. Uh, and I, of course, did a major flaw as a first-time founder. I, I started my first uh, real SaaS idea based on a new technology. So push notification came to the market. We were like, okay, this can replace the text message for corporates. Yeah. You know, let's let's go do a hackathon over the weekend. That escalated into becoming a year-long thing. And when we were finally ready to launch, the same week, the text message became free of charge. So we were like, all right, this is interesting. Um, yeah. We had no yeah, customers. Data then, wanted it, right? the point. data <laughs> then over took the credits right that that was yeah. was that the shift yeah okay no so, so it was kind of like all right so that was my first SaaS, and, and obviously in a way that failed but uh along the journey we we had an advertisement sales company come along and they sent thousands of text messages internally every week hmm. uh, and the thing was that they sent a text message um to everyone when somebody placed an ad or made it made a sale you know, to create awareness and, and motivation and bus, even you were in the office or outside. And they tried to replace that text message concept to spark sales motivation with our tool. And they started to push us like, hey, could you add, you know, a pie chart showing how much they sold compared to their colleagues this day mm -hmm. or and how they're trending towards their target. You know, eventually they're also asked, hey, can we have this up on TV screens in the office space? You have all this data now, you know, and that's when we created our second SaaS, uh, integrated with this corporate messaging now sales reporting tool. Mm -hmm. And uh, suddenly we created something brand new. Like people reacted crazy to this. Like music was playing on the screens when they closed the deal in real time. They were jumping up and down. They were so happy. You know, they they were fired up. Like people took yeah. note and they started to call us out of the blue and be like, hey, I don't know what this is, but I want to buy it. Um, so do you remember, do you remember your like first the paying client then? Yeah, it was this, uh, this client, I would say, agency. you know, they, they really, they transformed my, my bad sauce into a uh, sales screen. And, uh, right. and then the, the, the client number two, three, four, and five were all people who visited this call center, mm. uh, or, uh, you know, people who worked in that call center and changed jobs, went to their manager and said, Hey, you gotta buy this, this stuff as well. <laughs> You know, we bootstrapped uh, sales screen uh, all the way up to 2018. That's the first time we raised money. And yeah. we had several million dollar in ARR at that point. Even. So uh, yeah, it's been a cool journey. Oh, amazing. And for the future, you know, I'm definitely uh, feeling that the, the pandemic unlocked uh, a next uh, type of journey for us. So we've uh, grown faster and faster over the, the past couple of years. You know, there is um, a war on talent. Uh, people are, are resigning or reshuffling into other jobs. Uh, that's the problem, you know, creating an engagement uh, and, and, you know, an, an exciting atmosphere and a culture when, when people are working from home or remote, remote is really hard. That's something that we do and help with, uh, you know, so it, it just makes a lot of sense in the modern hybrid work uh, place to have a tool like sales screen to really help 
create that uh, or recreate that classical sales floor and get people fired up. Also, yeah. you know, it's just like, you know, there's so many tools out there which is AI based and machine learning this and that and, you know, increased efficiency. But where's the tool for the people, you know, the tool that sparks human emotion and gets them excited? Is... The, uh, about the Smart Sender, uh, we started it uh, in 2017, and as you told, we are product-driven uh, company. The, um, uh, we, we were growing based on the service and the product we provide man, uh, mainly and uh, how, how we meet the expectation of our customers and uh, what kind of problems we solve for them. And uh, I would be glad to tell more and uh, how we managed to grow without uh, bringing any external investments for our startup mm -hmm. and things like that. So the company is totally bootstrapped and we were growing um, by meeting expectations of our customers. The main idea also coming when, uh, from the time when I worked with bigger companies. Uh, for example, I worked for some multinational corporations. We had enormous marketing budgets. And uh, when, we, uh, when we started, uh, we, we all the time had to start a new product, new projects and uh, updating our products. And Every time uh, I was wondering why uh, I had to build marketing from the scratch for for every single product we launch, we we really wasting time like months of building all the basic things you need to go forward with your marketing and then focus on the product. And uh, after some time, when after discussions and things like that, uh, I quit my job in really fantastic company. Um, I'm not sure if it was the best decision because <laughs> uh, that was really good company, great people to work with. Uh, and we started Smart Sender and uh, already, yeah, several years we are working on it. And it was very hard during the first two years. Yeah, of course, uh, yeah, of course it's, it's not so shiny when you start something new. <laughs> you have to work 24-7 and it, it, it is not giving back uh, even half of money when you work for bigger guys, uh, yeah. already established guys. Uh, but, but yes, now I, I, I'm sure I, I, I could do again. <laughs> and a little background about myself. I was previously the, a product manager at Microsoft. I had worked on a couple different initiatives there around their collaboration suite uh, and their growth team. Afterwards, I was supposed to go to Cambridge for graduate school. And two weeks before I went there, I flew out to Boston, spent some time with a friend to see people, meet people. And then that turned into the start of the journey for Fireflies, where we decided to start working on some fun projects. And then we said, let's go full time with it. And we launched Fireflies around that time. We moved back to San Francisco, set up headquarters. And yeah, it's uh, it's been a roller coaster ride since then. Let's lean into that because um, I love that kind of founder's journey, those happenstance meetings, all those those holidays that, you know, I'm taking two months off, then you meet someone that's just as, that's they, they're building something or they, they get get you a fire lit underneath in your belly, right? So 
what was that chance encounter? Who was it? Is Are they now still involved at Fireflies? Um, and was this something that you hated doing when you were at Microsoft making notes during your meetings? So, so is it all kind of real for you? Like, what's the story there? Right. So one thing I will say is a lot of PMs have tons of meetings and in many organizations, a part of a PM's role is to be a glorified secretary after every meeting, <laughs> sending follow-ups. In fact, some people, some PMs think that's their only job is to schedule meetings, bother engineers, and then have tons of meetings and send follow-ups afterwards. So part of me was like, you know, PMs need to add more value. Uh, they need to be actually product driven. They need to be focused on solving problems rather than being an organizational overhead. So that's something that I was really inspired by. How do you change that process of being a really good PM uh, inside an organization? And then that took me to the second order question of, wait, this is all management is. Management is just throwing tons of meetings. Meetings are very expensive. In fact, if you get four people in a room, that meeting could easily cost several thousand dollars, right? In terms of yeah. time and sunk cost and all of that. And if someone didn't attend the meeting, you're going to have a meeting again uh, with, with those people. So that was really the inspiration, mm. but it was never enough of a problem in my mind to say, hey, let's start a business around it. Yeah. So the reason it all happened was I had left Microsoft, had a wonderful time there, learned a lot. The next day, I flew out to Boston to spend some time with friends that were at MIT. And the person I got to interact with and work with uh, was actually my current you know, uh, co-founder and CTO, Sam. So we are very fortunate to be uh, able to start this journey at that time. He was just graduating college, and he's like, hey, we have a little bit of time. Uh, why don't you come over here, and we can uh, attend a few hackathons or do some work together. Mm. Uh, it's interesting because I met Sam while I was in college. I went to UPenn, um, which was in a different state, and Sam went yep. to MIT, which was in Boston. Uh, but we met through mutual friends, and we actually worked on several hackathons and other engineering projects remotely for two years before we even met in person. <laughs> and so we kept that connection going even after I graduated uh, from uh, my college. I graduated a year earlier, uh, and... I was able to just stay in touch with him and other friends uh, while I was at Microsoft. And I said, hey, I got a little bit of time before grad school starts. He said, yeah, just come on over. And I packed my bags and I didn't even go back home to California. I went straight to Boston. So, that, that, um, that. yeah, that, that was really the uh, like the spontaneous moment that led to Fireflies. And obviously, we've had several iterations and pivots along the way uh, before we landed on this voice assistant. But yeah, it's been it's been quite a journey uh, for us, and uh, yeah, we're fortunate to be able to work on this right now. Nice, and and sort of, I, I'm going to keep going deep because the reason I say I'm going to keep going deep is we, we've just done a um, a founders journey uh, podcast that, that we've been putting together. So I, I want to keep pressing down here. Was there something? So you were working with Sam remotely. Obviously, you never met him, but was there something that why you two? collaborated remotely was there a way that you worked that really resonated with him or is there something like as as a cto is he a, is he a machine like what, what what's the what's that relationship like with the two of you can you just be brutally honest with him like what what, what is that kind of uh, relationship like between you sam is very social in fact he's probably more social than me it's a uh, interesting dynamic because you, you would stereotype or assume that 
you know, CTOs are reserved, a little bit shy, mm. awkward. It's not like that. I think Sam is the life of the party. Uh, yeah. He is definitely one of the most engaging and active people. If you're ever at a, any sort of scene or event, uh, it's very exciting to be around. I'm much more um, reserved. People don't notice that about me, but uh, I actually am. It takes me a little bit of time to break the ice. But once, you know, like I, I break the ice, I'm, I'm my usual self. So yeah. it's a very interesting dynamic uh, for two co-founders. Uh, we have actually worked really well because we used to go to class, do our assignments and everything. And then later on at night, like at 9 p.m., 10 p.m., we'd hop on like a Google Meet. Mm. We would just turn it on and we would just work. It was almost like having like a little second job in college. Yeah. And if we were done with all our club stuff and we had a lot of free time, we would just go and work on different um, fun activities or projects uh, together. We would basically attend hackathons because there was a little bit of reward money or prize money, yeah. and we were like, "Let's let's apply and let's win." So, um, I I we when we first started, the first hackathon we did was actually a food delivery app, very different, right? At, at those times, using <laughs> crypto. Uh, so we've basically yeah. done everything under the sun. And that was really interesting. So the idea was Coinbase came to MIT and gave everyone a few hundred dollars of Bitcoin and said, okay, here's a hackathon, build a practical use case for Bitcoin. And so yeah. we did this social currency slash um, food sharing app where people pay each other in crypto for food delivery. And I really wish I kept my crypto or Bitcoin we made at that time because people were <laughs> literally paying good investment, you know, yeah. like uh, half a Bitcoin or a third of a Bitcoin for like, uh, you know, a $5, $10 food delivery. Yeah. Uh, so it was wild times, but unfortunately we didn't. Uh, but it was a really fun experience. We learned a lot building that process. And we then started doing other things like drones. So mm. we want to do like, again, I don't know what it was our obsession with delivery and logistics. And I'm yeah. glad we didn't go down that route. But one of the ideas was, hey, let's do drone delivery on campus. So Sam's actually an aeronautical engineer, super smart. And uh, he was actually working on autonomous drones and how do you make drones fly around campus and give people tours and stuff. So one of the ideas that originated from that was uh, delivering food mm. uh, uh, to different people on campus. And when you have drones at night that are flying around, they look like fireflies. So we use the name Fireflies. For there that we project. go. Okay. And we, every new project, we've done like six or seven other projects since then. We're like, you know what? Let's just stick with the name. I don't have time to come up with a new logo and a, a new yeah. like concept. We're just going to use Fireflies for everything. Um, and when people ask us, why did you pick the name Fireflies for your, like, you know, Fireflies.ai for your mm. company? I don't have a good answer, but a customer made up a good answer immediately. It's like, oh, it's a Firefly. So it's a fly on a wall sitting silently and taking notes. It's <laughs> an idiomatic phrase, and I, I had no idea. So I was like, great, we'll run with that. Thanks a lot. Really a pleasure to be here, Bruce. Um, so yeah, I'm David. I'm the, the co-founder and, and CEO of Leechat. Um, I'm actually uh, coming from northern Germany. I have a French name. Uh, the company is also based in Paris. Uh, so yeah, I've since uh, one and a half years a hard time navigating my myself through the city as my French is not that good as it should be but um so i made it through the studies um, exactly as you said we we uh, started uh, lead chat um, doing our studies actually together with my co-founder omar who's actually french and um, yeah it was our own pain back then 
Uh, we didn't want to start a company and grow it to now above than 20 people. Um, but things got fast. Uh, COVID helped us in some way because, um, yeah, salespeople nowadays, um, or sales happen nowadays more online and you use a bunch of different tools together with your CRM. So that's why there, there was space for us and, um, yeah, a Paris-based B2B SaaS company. So oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, we started the company yeah, two years ago, um, where we started on product hunt. Um, we just thought, okay, here's something cool. Let's upload it on product hunt. And it was pretty astonishing because uh, CRMs, uh, big CRMs, I think at the beginning, Copper, so that's uh, also Unicorn CRM from VS, uh, started to reach out and said, guys, we won't have an integration with you because uh, the LinkedIn integration has asked for our clients since a while. And we thought, okay, let's do an integration with them and see what comes next. And um, yeah, then we partnered with Pipedrive, with um, HubSpot, with Salesforce, um, didn't have any sales team, just hired this first sales just one week ago and um, grew the, the whole company in two years bootstrapped um, to now 22 people. And uh, yeah, super, super happy how it went so far. So did you use your, your first sales hire was last week? Yeah. First sales. Oh, wow. Okay. And and what, what led that is, are you now on a, a new kind of trajectory to keep growing or are they outbound sales are they in a customer success remit what what's there mm -hmm. so we are, what are they planning? i mean obviously as a SaaS, uh, you start first with no touch so self-service basically so we, what we tried is um as we as we follow like a product that grows um strategy that we um create a flying product meaning um we need to have a short time to value it says short onboarding you can download the software on your own get a marketplace, three clicks, and um, you see directly the value. Meaning one click, you can add a profile from LinkedIn, fully enriched with 15 fields, and it's in your CRM. So no manual data entry anymore needed. And um, so obviously we got a lot of um, smaller clients. Um, mm. In the beginning, also we started to connect with Copper and Pipedrive. Um, so that's more up, up to the SMEs, I would say. Um, once we then integrated to HubSpot and Salesforce, um, we got bigger clients and um, now we are moving to uh, no touch to high touch. And that's why here, yeah, the touch as it says is required. So that's why we hired the first sales as we uh, don't have the self-service for bigger clients. You need to have at least one demo, um, even, yeah. even if the product is self-explanatory, but uh, for negotiation, for instance. So that's why, um, yeah, we are tackling now a few scale-ups and unicorns. Um, First and foremost, uh, we start in France, obviously, and um, that's why we hired him. So let's see how it will work out. So, so I started this company with a with a big big idea that we'll be building the default tech stack for sales and support people uh, in next ten years. Uh, so just call this as a starting point uh, because I believe that for all the sales and support uh, tech stack. Uh, communication is the center point of it, uh, and probably probably the most boring and the painful part as well because uh, voice uh, and SMS, no one likes that, but they use it. Uh, so if you can just if you can just make that right, and if you can start earning the trust of your customers, you can start expanding your offering. So that was the basic idea for Just Call uh, uh, that we sort of started with. Uh, that let's start with something uh, and modern, modernize it. And then we'll, yeah. Yeah, so, and were, were you running the two companies at the same time, or did one did Just Call kind of 
um, build so much steam and you kind of ran away with that? No, I mean, the, so, so I started this company as SaaS Labs, the bigger idea, which will hopefully go public in the next five, 10 years. That, that's a bigger idea. Yeah. So just for is the starting point for us. We're going to have a complete mm. suite of products for uh, sales and support people. But I think you need to own the infra so that you can build on top of it. So, so just call will help us, will become that central pillar for us uh, to build those bigger uh, sort of things around sales. So one is I've been like a, a super customer-centric guy always. Like I always wanted to mm. remain close to our customers, always talk to a customer. And second was like, we don't have choice. I mean, we, we bootstrapped this business. Uh, so we were a small team and we were doing everything. We were doing the, the customer demos. We were doing the customer support. We were writing the code. Uh, so we didn't have choice, but even by default, and that's probably the reasons why it's in, in our DNA, in the company of the DNA of the company. So we are about 150 people now, uh, but everyone has that DNA to remain close to customers, go extra miles for your customer, listen to the feedback, and try and build that into a product so that hundreds of customers also get benefited with that.